And now, a highlight from Animal Radio on iHeartRadio. And our next guest has our studio divided and the phone lines ringing (laughs) red hot, or white hot, should I say. Uh, Of course, we've been talking about it for the last, since we started the show pretty much, do we love our pets too much? I come from the, the school of thought that, no, I don't. I I will pamper them. I will spoil them. I will do whatever it takes to get medical care to them. Dr. Debbie, now, on the other hand, you, you think that maybe I'm probably a little over the edge. Although... Well, and you, I, I think that, you know, animals shouldn't replace human interaction and, you know, that they shouldn't surpass the importance of your human relationships. So that's kind of my thing. And that's coming from a lady who has several... Uh, clothing <laughs> options in her closet for her dog <laughs> yes but my husband's still allowed to sleep in bed it's not like i make him sleep out in the dog house you know <laughs> he's still more important to me so well, i have to say that right <laughs> we welcome clay rutledge dr clay rutledge he's an author he's a psychological scientist and he says that perhaps we're too attached to our pets welcome to the show doctor thanks for having me so now what is this that you think that uh, I'm crazy and uh, that I shouldn't spend so much time prioritizing my animal? No. So I, I would reframe it a little bit and say, well, first of all, I'm, a, I'm an animal lover as, as well. In fact, I, there's a general rule in my family that I'm not allowed to go to places in which there's an opportunity for me to bring home an animal <laughs> because I undoubtedly will. Uh, so to me, the issue really isn't do we love our pets too much as much as what does it say about the human condition that we are so attached to our pets? You know, so it's, to me, it's more of what does it signal about maybe deficits in other areas than it says anything about what our pets deserve or, or, or any of that. Though we can certainly speak about some concerns that I think we would all share about the risks to animals of, of treating them more like they have human qualities than they actually do. Well, I'm a baby boomer, just on the tail end of it, the real tail end of it. When I was a kid, the dog was in the backyard. He was in a dog house. He was never allowed inside. Now, of course, it's a, it's a completely different story. The dog sleeps in bed with me, and I will wake up with a backache because I've maneuvered my way around just to find a comfortable position, not to upset him. <laughs> Millennials, and I, I see that the millennials now, instead of having families, are bringing pets in as their children. Are yes. You, Well, so there's a lot of debate as to why that is the case. You know, issues ranging from the economic costs associated with children to people being too busy. But there is some interesting research um, relating issues like loneliness to pet ownership and also trends related to the delaying of marriage and um, having children. And these things seem to correspond with increased pet ownership and not just people having pets, but the more... They um, there's this term in psychology called anthropomorphism, which is when you treat things or animals that aren't humans as if they have human cognitive qualities. And so we're seeing more of this. I've seen people, you know, maybe you as well. I've seen people walking down trails with their dogs and baby strollers when presumably be much assuming their dogs aren't, you know, injured in any way it would be better for them to be walking. I've seen people trying to feed their dogs human food. That's not necessarily best for their nutritional needs. Um, I saw this really insane story. I think it was on Slate of this trend for millennial hipsters to not vaccinate their dogs, which speaks to two different, (laughs) 
two different, you know, yeah. you know, crazy beliefs, which is one, they believe in the, the false idea of the vaccinations cause autism. And two, they think that their dogs can get autism. And so there's these kinds of trends that I don't think it's just necessarily bad, you know, shows that some, you know, some kind of bad state that, that we're in as a social species. But also there's some real risk to animals. You know, there's some real risk to neglect and abuse and of treating animals not like animals, but like they're they're fully part of the human species. Where do you draw the line? And I know it's it's not a line that's easy to see, but where do you draw the line between being over the top with your pet and just being a regular pet owner? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And, you know, to be clear, I don't think it's the case that most pet owners are doing this. You know, what, you know, what we, you know, I'm sure most pet owners have a, a perfectly healthy relationship with with their pets um but what you know i don't know where the line is but you know i think people need to be educated about what they can expect from an animal so when i wrote this article that you know that has you guys divided you know i can't even tell you the amount of hate mail that i received (laughs) that was (laughs) that was fascinating to me because so much of it was humans are trash, humans are garbage, you're garbage. And in a way, it just spoke to my point, right? That people don't have a lot of faith in humanity, that people don't. And, you know, there's poll numbers supporting this. People are less likely across urban, rural, and suburban areas of our country. They're less likely to feel strongly attached to their community. They're less likely to feel like there's people, there's people that they can confide in. And so I think what we're seeing is, you know, at some level, uh, we have to be clear that there's plenty of people that have perfectly healthy relationships with their pets. And these aren't the people that, you know, I'm talking about here. But at some level, there's something going on in which people are so desperate for that human connection that they're elevating their dogs to be, you know, to expect more from them than they really can. Hang tight for one second. We've got to take a quick break. We're with Dr. Clay Rutledge telling us that maybe we love our animals too much. Just some of us. Just some of us. Do you love your animals too much? We're talking with Dr. Clay Rutledge now, an author and psychological scientist. Not a week goes by that we don't have a story about an airline that has turned away somebody because they can't have their emotional support animal with them. When we use animals for emotional support, is that going across the line? Uh, well, again, it's, you know, it's it's complicated because there is certainly work that suggests that animals are, are you know, an excellent source of comfort. So there's work with elderly people, for instance, who might not have, you know, who might be widowed or living alone or have um, disability issues that make it hard for them to get out. They're living in assisted living facilities. And having a dog can make the difference between, you know, feeling depressed or feeling like you've got a purpose. And so I do think it's certainly the case that animals and anyone who's a, who is an animal owner or an animal lover will, will say that, dog, you, know, dog, well, all, you know, pets are just comforting. And, and so that's fine, but that's a different issue than whether or not they have, you know, a, a scientifically established clinical um, effectiveness. And there just really isn't much, much evidence for that, that you need to take an emotional animal, support animal with you in order to be psychologically functional. Why is it that, okay, so if, if a person is, um, you know, taking this the wrong way and that they're replacing human interaction with animals or with their pets, why is that happening? 
so the you know so there's one component that I think is to this the, this loneliness problem or this social disconnection problem, and one of the unfortunate characteristics uh, of loneliness, uh, you know, and just general social disconnection, is that it kind of perpetuates itself because when people feel lonely or excluded or ostracized, their brain kind of switches to a more defensive position in which they become extremely vigilant about further social loss, right? They don't want to get hurt again. They don't want to be rejected again. And so what that can make them do is take fewer social risks. So they're less likely to go out and want to meet people. They're more, you know, so they're more avoidant. And so if they're directing that social energy, trying to meet their social needs with their pets, then that's an easier, it feels like a safer way to try to meet your belongingness needs than to have to actually go out and deal with human beings, which again, I'm, I got dozens and dozens of emails essentially confirming that saying, well, humans are trashed. I've only been treated horrible by people. You can't trust people. You can't depend on people. Whenever I come home from work, my dog is always happy to see me. <laughs> and so I think you see that kind of reinforcement which again can feel, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with being happy to see your dog or, you know, having a relationship with your dog. But I think the question we have to ask is what is that, is that indicating something that's missing in terms of human relationships? There is. To me, it's, it's a red flag. We have a, a library here where they have a dog that comes in and the kids get to read to the dog because the dog won't criticize them, tell them that they're reading poorly. And I think that's what we find in all of our animals is kind of a... They don't judge. There's, they're non-judgmental. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, it's very easy to, to make that your best friend. No, I think so. I mean, there was, a, you know, there's been some research, I think this was a couple decades ago in psychology, that was, you know, this concept called contingencies of self-worth. And the idea was that, you know, people's sense of self-esteem or, you know, people's sense of self-confidence comes in part from the contingencies other people put on them. What do you have to do to be accepted by others? And interestingly, this was one of the arguments that was made for the positivity of religion. That part of makes religion so comforting is the sense that God loves you no matter what. Like God intrinsically values that. And I'm not trying to compare pets to God by any means, but you know you can get that kind of sense that you're, these animals love you no matter. Or you feel like they love you no matter what. And there's something very affirming about that when you have to go out in the world and deal with people who may only like you conditionally or will you know will only reinforce you conditionally. Interesting stuff. I put a link over at the website to your article. If you want to learn more about what Dr. Clay Rutledge is talking about right now, you can head on over to AnimalRadio.pet and click the link over there on today's show. You're listening to Animal Radio. Visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.